Welcome to How They Get Stuff Done, where we ask successful people about the productivity habits behind their success. Side effects of listening to this show may include elevated levels of motivation, acute feelings of inspiration, and lasting improvements to your productivity. Now, here's your host, Peter Akis. Hey, folks. In this episode, I'm speaking with Janelle Allen. Janelle helps business owners optimize their marketing strategy. For example, she recently worked with Crowdcast, a webinar platform. And if you check out Crowdcast's website today, you'll see that it's so clear compared with what it used to be like. Janelle also teaches small groups of primarily service-based business owners to create and market online courses. With a background in writing as well as in instructional design, you can see why she's good at what she does. Some time ago, I worked with Janelle to improve my business's marketing funnel. She helped me to clarify my strategy and to identify gaps that I couldn't have spotted myself. She's full of good ideas, so I was excited when she agreed to come onto the show. Janelle and I discuss how she translates her vision into action using the VTO approach, and she does this in Notion, the importance of having a mission for pushing through any resistance you might feel to your work, why you shouldn't use your coach as your therapist, and much more. Enjoy the show. All right. Hey, Janelle, welcome to the show. Hey, Peter. Thanks for having me. So um, it's been a little while since I talked to an American person who I hadn't chatted with in a while. And my first question is, <laughs> have you gotten your vaccine yet, Janelle? I haven't. You would ask me that. My, my partner <laughs> has gotten the first shot. She's due to get her second shot in a couple of weeks. I have not gotten it yet. No. All right. Well, I'm, I, I feel very envious of all my American friends who are like, yeah, I can make an appointment already. And I'm like, man, I got to wait like another three months or something. Maybe wow. Long. Yeah, really? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, it's well, unfortunate. Yeah, They're expecting that's... a big ramp up in supply in the summer. So I'm just crossing my fingers. Please, later this year, can I please go on a holiday or something like that? You know. But I mean, to be fair, we're doing... Americans are doing really badly. <laughs> like we're just not executing in the way that other countries are. So we probably need to go ahead and get vaccinated before we just go around the, the world. We're just we're being horrible. So <laughs> so you all probably are, are good. <laughs> we can we can say maybe you deserve to have some early vaccine or something like that, right? Like yes, yeah, just please hurry up and vaccinate the Americans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that framing. I love that framing. All right. All right. Um, what I want to talk to you about is is mainly productivity. Um, and so something that I like to ask people is what do you actually think of when I say productivity? So another way to think about this is what, if I asked you, Janelle, you know, how productive have you been lately? How would you measure that? Mm. The first thing that came to mind is, is like, am I, am I getting... Am I getting things done? But more specifically, am I getting the things done that I need to get done in a certain allotted time frame? That's how I would measure it, or that's what I would think of. That would be my answer. So like hitting your deadlines? Not just deadlines, but like my priorities. You know, what I typically do, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but every day, so I have kind of a, a rhythm or a cadence. And so daily in the morning, I write down the three to five most important things that I need to get done. And, and then on Sundays, I do my weekly review and then I plan my week and I outline my five goals for the week. So for me, productivity is, you know, how, how did I stand up against that? Right. Did I get those things done? Um, 
So that's that's more so. And that sounds very intentional. So I love this because uh, it's it's so <laughs> tempting, you know, if you use certain apps um, that will tell you, uh, you know, a lot of to-do apps these days will try to gamify things. So it's mm-hmm. like, good job, you did five tasks today. And it makes me want to barf because it's like, <laughs> which five tasks, right? Like I could write down, clean the kitchen, clean the bathroom, clean the floor. It's like, yeah. okay, you know, um, I guess that's one kind of productivity. And if that was your goal for the day to like really clean up your house, that's great. But like, right. was it? Um, and so I think the number approach is not that good. So how do you reflect on what your goals are? Is this like, uh, is this a, you say you do it every morning, but also kind of every week. How long does that take you? Do you have like a larger vision and you're kind of breaking that down all the time? Or is it really more of like a, what do I feel like I should be doing this week? How does that work? That's a great question. So now it is part of a larger vision specifically, you know, for my business. Uh, prior to that, I would just always feel like I was starting from, you know, just a blank slate every week, like figuring out. But now I, you know, at the end of the year, I sit down and I do my annual review and I do, I, I map out what I want to focus on for the year or at least for the first six months because things can really change on a yearly basis. Um, and then from there, I will break that into quarters so that I, I have my, my, big goals. And I use um, the VTO approach in the book Traction um, by Gina Wickman. And so I really break down my my annual goals. Um, and the way that he presents it in the book is like, what are what are your goals? What are the, the measurables? Like, how will you know you've achieved that goal, right? How many sales mm-hmm. calls or how many um, products or services, like you, just breaking it down into the numbers. Um, but also this really cool thing called rocks, which are the things that you need to do or carry um, to uh, to accomplish those goals. And so that's mm. been super helpful because I have that inside of Notion and then it allows me to then say, okay, let me break this down into quarters. And then from there, I break things down into the month. And then so I know when I know my monthly goals, then every week when I sit down on Sunday, I can say, okay, am I on track for, for the month? But more importantly, I really look at, am I on track to, to for the rocks that I've said, these are the things I need to get done to achieve the goal. So that's super helpful and that's how I break it down. And is that a... Is that something where you sat down and you were like, you know what? This is kind of my personality. I know what motivates me. I know how much pressure I need. And mm-hmm. so you you sat down and you said, this is something that's going to work for me? Or was that kind of, uh, you know, you were listening to something at some point, somebody introduced this technique. You're like, that sounds cool. And you just gave it a shot. Was that is that a deliberate or did it kind of like happen on you? It was a little bit of both. And and I'll, I'll add another element. When I first started my business, I was part of a mastermind group. Um, mm. And... I was not paying attention to metrics at all. <laughs> I just was kind of like willy nilly doing my thing, how whatever I feel like. And I always just, like I said, I felt like I was always starting from scratch and my business wasn't doing well and I was struggling. And it was one of the members of the mastermind group who he just kind of held my feet to the fire and said, hey, you, you need to look at your metrics. You need to be measuring things. And that was the first change um, in how I started to measure just how I work as well as affecting my productivity. When I started looking at the numbers, I could see, okay, this is, this is working, this is growing, this is not. And it helped me to figure out what I needed to do. 
Now, the VTO approach in from the book Traction was something that I stumbled upon because I think before that I was using things, which I know you're you're a fan <laughs> of. I was okay. using things and I just kind of had this never ending to do list. Right. But I didn't have any structure or strategy or rationale behind how I decided what to do. Right now I'm looking at my metrics, but I still just have this long list of things. Then I had a client who was using the method in traction and traction is admittedly for businesses that are doing seven, eight figures, um, just million dollar businesses, but the system applies to anyone. Mm. I was really, uh, the, the methodical approach is what attracted me. Cause I, cause that's just my personality. I'm very process oriented. Um, and so that approach just made so much sense to me of just really sitting down and breaking it down, um, on a yearly, having a vision VTO stands for vision traction organizer. So getting clear on your vision and then deciding what actions you need to take to get traction, to achieve that yeah. vision and having one document. So that's where I learned that from. And I've been sticking with that since maybe I think it's 2018 that I started implementing that. So, and then I discovered notion, which is a whole nother rabbit hole that we can go down because I found that I didn't have, my tools were getting in the way and I didn't, I couldn't see, make connections between data. Like I, I was always feeling like, okay, I'm working on this this week or this month, but I had no context or relationship between what happened before. And notion was really what helped me to start to be able to see things like I can go into my dashboard and see the connections. Yeah, no, the first time you mentioned Notion that in the back of my head, I raised a little flag that was like, we're definitely going to be talking about that because <laughs> I, I have opinions on Notion. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> however, <laughs> what I want to know first, um, can you give us an example of how you might take, look at your vision and take one part of that and break that down into, or however, you know, mm -hmm. using that VTO method. And you can even tell us, like, how would you put that into your notion? How do you go from very high level to very low level? This is what I'm going to work on today. I think an example would make it really vivid for yeah. the listeners. I mean, so I'll think, because uh, I just finished doing a video on email marketing. <laughs> so that's what's top of mind. So let's say, you know, part of my vision is I, I want to uh, grow my email list to, I don't know, let's just say 5,000 subscribers, right? Hmm. Um, and I say, that's my goal. You know, I by in, in six months, that's where I want to be. So the methodology would then say, okay, well, what, what do I need? What actions do I need to take to get there, right? Um, yeah. So then from there, I would boil down, okay, um, what are the rocks to carry? In other words, what does that mean? Does that mean that I'm going to do list building ads? Does that mean that I'm going to do uh, webinars more frequently? You know, what am I going to do to make that happen? And then deciding when I'm going to execute those things, right? So that's where the planning piece comes in. Um, but, but also the measurables of, of if I want to break that down, okay, that's an average of so many subscribers per month. And so now I know what my targets are for each month. So that's how, hope, does that, does that answer? Do you think that's a, does that help? Yes. You get a, you get a passing grade. All right. <laughs> your explanation. Yeah. Because so many times we set these goals and we haven't broke it down to say, you know, we set these huge numbers and we haven't really taken time to sit and say, oh, well, what is, what do I need to do every month? 
to achieve yeah. that, right? I've set this big sales goal. Well, what does that mean for each quarter? What does that mean for each month? How many sales calls do I need? If I say I want to have a conversion rate of, you know, 5%, then that means I need to get a certain amount of traffic because, you know, like what's the percentage of people who are going to convert from traffic to subscriber and then subscriber to customer. So, right. the, you know, that's how it really, it's, it's, it's the same thing, Peter, as when I did instructional design. It's working backwards from the goal and then working backwards to figure out what needs to be done to achieve it. Yeah. No, and I think this is a very structured approach. And so I like that and I can see how that would appeal, right? Um, this this whole process, I, I like to refer to this usually as translating your goals into action because it's just mm -hmm. like you're saying, a lot of people have goals. It's like, I want to lose weight this year. It's like, congratulations, you want things, <laughs> but like now what are you going to do about it? <laughs> so like the yeah. action step is important. Um, it is. Yeah, and so what what I'm really curious about is you know, thinking about myself, if I, if I tried to do this and I, if, especially if I started using lots of numbers, I think that would put a lot of pressure on me. Mm. Um, so if I were like, you know what, I want this many subscribers, um, to my weekly emails, or if I want this many subscribers on my YouTube channel, this many listeners to my podcast, I could then make a guess how many videos or podcasts or whatever I need to produce. Um, I feel like that would stress me out a lot. I have a history of, of, you know, I burned out pretty badly once mm -hmm. and, you know, really took me a couple of years to like fully recover from that. And I say fully recover, but I still am very prone to stress. Yeah, I'm in the middle of recording a new course and um recording video is like one of the most stressful yeah. things for me right now <laughs> so like it's just it's for like it, for me too <laughs> yeah it's really valuable work but like you know i like literally between videos i like will do just like a relaxing meditation for 10 minutes <laughs> just, just to like you know calm down um yeah and it reminds me of something you said at some point i'm gonna, I'm gonna pull up a quote because I, I was browsing your twitter like i do when I, whenever i'm preparing for a podcast um and you said energy on camera is super important, so you don't yeah. like to force it is one thing that you said. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, I don't know if anyone listening is thinking about starting a YouTube channel or just started a YouTube channel. I just recently started. I had launched it right before COVID hit and then it hit and I just kind of put things on pause. So now I'm back in the swing of things. And yeah, video is not like audio. You can't fake it. You really have to, you know, people are going to perceive your energy. And with video, I found Caleb Wojcik told me this. He said with video, you need to take whatever energy level you're at and then up it by like 10 to 20%, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just like, if you're not feeling it, I just recommend not forcing it. Yeah, no, I, I'm totally with you. But so, so the reason it made me think of this, right, is because um, that forcing it is what sometimes stresses me out. And I, mm. I got to thinking about it because of this whole process that you use. So what I'm curious about is does this process of breaking down your big goals, especially if they have numbers, into whatever are your monthly tasks, your weekly tasks, your daily tasks, does that ever um, have you feeling some resistance? Like, ah, I told myself I had to get out this many videos this month, but I really don't want to this week. And so like yeah. you're saying, you know, like you'd rather postpone it maybe, but then what if you're not hitting those goals? Does that create any friction? That's a wonderful question, um, and it's it's a big answer. So the answer to that is now it does not, but mm. I have experienced that in the past, and I would say what changed what changed for me the 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 factor was mission. I think if you don't have a why, if you're not deeply connected to your mission 
their resistance, it's just harder to get through it when you don't want to do something. Yeah. But when you have when you have that in for me at least it's easier to push through. I mean, I'll give you an example. I, um, as you know, uh, we had someone attempted to break into our garage last week, and I was supposed to be recording my videos uh, for the month for the next month, and I had to put everything on pause, right? Because now we have to. I mean, fortunately, our security and everything did what it needed to be done, but now you know we're we're freaked out and. I'm trying to get security even more up. Um, and so I had to like put the video recording on pause and then there was Easter. I thought I was gonna record on Sunday, but it's Easter, so chill out on that. So then I had to record yesterday um, for today. And mm -hmm. it's just like, gotta get it done, right? I woke up this right. morning to finish the editing and when I'm laying there, I wanted to stay in the bed. I didn't want to get up early this morning and edit the video. Um, but I just, I know that I've made a commitment to showing up um, for my audience. And so that's the thing that, that got me up out of bed. And yes, that's related to my goals. But I think that last year is when I really got clear clearer. I think I'm still developing it, but I started to get a strong why last year. And so before that, it would be very hard. I was very driven by my emotions in my business before that. So that's, that's my answer to that question. Yeah, and, and I love that answer because it's something that, you know, I've, I've tasted at times myself. I wouldn't say I'm all the way there yet, but it's definitely, um, I think you can compare it with if you're just like really care about helping someone with a problem, like a friend or something. If a friend mm. of yours really needs your help, Sometimes, at least I do, I just get in this state where I kind of forget about my own problems for a little bit. It's just like they're yeah. not, you know, they're not so real. Like all I'm focused on helping this person. Um, and, you know, of course, at some point you go back to thinking about your own problems. But like for a little while there, I'm not so concerned about it. And um, I, I'm a big fan of like, you know, reflective practice. Like I like to meditate daily. Um, you know, I think it's good to reflect, I mm -hmm. journal, but at the same time, I also sometimes feel like it's possible to get stuck in this place where you're over reflecting a little bit and maybe you just like need yeah. to focus on somebody else's <laughs> problems for a little while. Um, so can you share that, that why? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still in development, but I will say that last year was transformative for me. Um, I think, you know, we were, we were all safe. Um, but I started to get into, um, I started to learn more about, um, housing discrimination and real mm. estate and, um, in the context of everything that was going on with the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Elijah McCain murders and, and countless others, uh, I really started to sit down and think about, uh, how my work could be impactful for black and brown people. Hmm. Um, and you know, in the past I have had people of color, particularly black women reach out and just say, thank you for being in this space. I don't see a lot of people who look like me. And that always felt nice, but I just didn't see the connection between like what I was doing and something bigger. I don't hmm. have children. Um, I just didn't, you know, a lot of people, their why is their, their kids. Right. And the, yeah. I just, I didn't have any of that. So I just always was just, it was something I liked to do, but I didn't have a deep reason a until last year. And I started to realize that one ownership 
is incredibly important. If you look at the history in the United States of how particularly black people have been kept out of ownership, then it mm -hmm. starts to really become critical to change that narrative. Home ownership, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can even talk about businesses though, black businesses that were bombed and, and just all of that. I mean, so I started to see my work differently and realized that I wasn't just doing this for me. And even though I don't have kids, I have nieces and nephews. Uh, mm. and, and there are other people who look like me who are seeking someone who can be an example. And I never yeah. really had that. I didn't have a mentor. I always wanted one. I never had mentors. I never had anything like that. So that was, was what lit a fire for me and helped me to start to develop a deeper reason, a, a, a why for showing up. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, I want to ask you more about that. But first, something that just came to my mind, you know, because you help people um, create profitable online courses, right? I guess is a, is a mm -hmm. fair summary. And I was just looking at the website for a course platform the other day. Um, and they like advertise some of their amazing users who've made so much money with this course platform. And they're like, no, they're only white people to be found yeah. on their website. And it's, yeah. it's really depressing. I, I like will try not to shame this platform publicly, but like it was, <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is sad. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I understand that. And has that translated into your planning process? Have you, like when you do your vision, did you actually sit down and say, huh, how can I change what I'm doing, whether that's mm. business wise or outside of business to change my daily actions? Or is it, is it really, is it changing more the motivation or is it actually changing your actions as well? It's a mixture of both. I would say it's, it's definitely motivation as far as actions. You know, it's funny you asked me this because I just made the decision to start, you know, contributing a percentage of my sales to, um, to a nonprofits organization, nonprofit organizations each quarter, um, selecting mm. one that does work within the you know, black and brown communities. So mm. that was something that I was thinking about last month. And like, I've really got to start, you know, doing more. Um, other actions for me have been just collaborating more with particularly women, women of color. Um, that's something that's, that's super important to me. So that's the start. And I feel like there's definitely more that I, that I can do. Um, but that's definitely the start. Yeah. But I think even, even just the, having that understanding for yourself, right. Having that better motivation, mm -hmm. I think can make a difference because um, I've talked to other people about this before and it's so interesting. Sometimes you're doing the same thing, but the way that you relate to what you're doing makes all the difference in both how you experience it, but also how other people receive it. It's kind of like that energy yeah. on video that you were saying, like you can kind of yeah. fake it, but <laughs> yeah, it's huge. I mean, ultimately my goal, as I mentioned, we, so my partner and I, we started, um, I read this, the book that I read that really taught me a ton about the history of, of housing discrimination and how the government actually enabled it and was complicit in it. it was called the color of law. And so that lit a fire to, for my partner and I, we started, you know, going to different cities and, and trying to figure out how to get into real estate investment. And so mm. my goal ultimately is to, um, what well, we already started the process, but to start teaching about that. Um, but also with what I, the work that I do now with online course creators, is just to, to be more visible. I think that in and of itself is an action, which yeah. is, 
which is one of the reasons, one of the motivating factors for being on YouTube. It's, it's just that visibility, right? Just being there, showing up so that someone can come and see someone who looks like them. Um, but also just sharing everything that I know, right? To help more, uh, more people, including people of color, to, to build businesses. I think ownership is incredibly important and it's just, it's just a huge factor and we need to be showing up and owning more things. Yeah, I think just example setting in any form can be so powerful, right? Just um, seeing other people do something and seeing that they have the success mm -hmm. um, can, can be really motivating. So it's, it's yeah, I, I like that way of paying it forward. Um, you mentioned investing, I believe. I, I saw yeah. somewhere also that you've been investing in mobile homes. Is that right? Yeah, so I started that last year. Um, we stumbled upon this course by mobile home elite investors. They're actually, they're actually here in Chicago as well. Um, and you know, I'm a quick start, so I'm sometimes a little bit of too quick. Uh, so I was just really excited to get into it because we had, we had looked around at different cities. We traveled last, last year, you know, safely of course, but trying to go to different cities and see, you know, should we invest here? Should we invest there? And we just kept running into roadblocks, but mobile home investing was something that was really easy to get into. And you don't have the, uh, you know, all of the regulations and, and red tape that you have with traditional real estate. So yeah, mm. um, I bought my first mobile home investment in October of last year um, and learned a lot of lessons, <laughs> made a lot of mistakes. What not to do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but I think I, you know, I was, I was pretty, I was hooked. So now it's just trying to figure out how to do both. Right. That's been, that's what I'm struggling with right now. It's like, okay, I got to hire a VA and, and get some support there. But my goal, as I said, is to, to learn and to teach. Someone actually reached out to me on Twitter and was like, Hey, do you have any mobile home content? And I was like, ah, thanks for the reminder. I got to, you know, I got to get that up. So, yeah. It's funny, right? Once you start getting into online courses, you just like start seeing opportunities everywhere. I have this too. I'm like, oh, I have this minor side interest that I spent three weeks on. Like maybe <laughs> two years from now, I'll be making an yeah. online course on this topic. You never um, know. Right. So, so you mentioned trying to um, find a way to do both things. And mm -hmm. I know that you have a course, which is a, a live course, like a group course as well. Yeah. Um, and I believe you have a, a Slack channel that run that's part of that course, right? The, mm -hmm. the Slack community. Yep. So I'm curious how you handle that because, um, you know, uh, communication that's constant, I, I find it very difficult to handle that while also getting sort of important work done. We can use uh, <laughs> deep work as, as the, as the yeah. shorthand for the important work that takes focus. Um, and, and so now you've got your, your business where maybe you're doing some one-on-one -on -one work still with people. You've got your, your group course. Um, uh, I, I know you recently worked with Crowdcast, right? So you're like taking mm -hmm. on clients as well. And so, and you've got your, your investing going on. Um, and in the meantime, people are chatting with you on, on, on Slack or trying to get your attention on yeah, Slack. So how do you yeah. juggle all of those things? Well, you know, I will say that last year I put my group program on hold. So hmm. I'm actually about to, um, to re relaunch it, okay. um, this, this month actually. 
but to answer your question, I it it hasn't been a huge challenge with Slack because you know people well for the group program people have questions and you know they're going to just typically just reach out when they have questions. So, but related to that. I was thinking about launching a general community just for, you know, for every, anyone in my audience, um, mm. because community is huge and community is so important. In my opinion, it's the X factor. If you have a course, you know, having a community can really um, help people. It's, it's kind of the determining factor for a lot of people for success, right? Or for yeah. them doing the thing yeah. and creating a general community is it it's still super scary to me. Like I chickened out. I just decided I, I, I can't do this right now <laughs> because the exactly what you said, the, the, the thought of having just this continuous stream of people reaching out, I just, I don't feel that I can manage it. And when you start a community in the beginning, there is a lot of you Yes. Getting people to talk, getting people to share, helping people to to feel welcomed. And and I just right now, I, don't, I just feel like I don't have the bandwidth for it. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I hear you. And it's interesting because I, I ran um, a community of, in, in the shape of a forum for some of my students for a while. Um, and I recently decided to shut that down just because it was too much like you're saying, putting my own energy into it. And while some mm -hmm. people were getting a good amount of value out of it. It really, it, it, the cost benefit analysis didn't really add up to me. And yeah. it, it's also, you've got this feeling of responsibility. I mean, very, my personality is very much like if I'm going to do something, I like to do it well. So I really don't like to have something that's kind of eh. And, and yeah. it was kind of in that, in that zone where I was, you know, it wasn't like a massive success. So I, I, you know, decided to just stop the community. And, um, at some point I'm sure I'll restart a community in some shape that I think is going to do better, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. yeah, I think the key to being productive while having a community is to have two things from what I've seen to have moderators, right? To have mm. maybe a VA or I've also seen one of my uh, former clients, he would promote people from within the community to kind of be ambassadors and, and they, yeah. so they can share the workload of getting people to, to talk, right? Because you think you start a community and people are just going to be chatting away mm -mm. and it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not, it's like, not that. like that at all. <laughs> it's very much like going to a high school dance and no one wants to be the first one on the floor. And so having moderators, whether you've hired VAs or you have people who are super fans and you're saying, hey, you know, I'd love for you to be an ambassador. Uh, yeah. That's, in my opinion, that's the secret to it. So it can be done. I don't want anyone listening thinking, oh, no, if I start that community, my productivity is going to tank. I think you just have to have support. Um, yeah. yeah. And do you have any boundaries on that do you tell us tell yourself i will only go into slack at certain times of day or you'll only check it once or twice a day or whatever no well for me it's more so of my commitment to my group members right so i'm going to get back to you within you know 24 to 48 hours at most mm. so that's really you know that's really what it is like i'm trying to respond to you within 24 hours ideally um, although I do set boundaries for the weekend, you know, and I say, Hey, if you respond, um, on a, on a Thursday, cause I'm out of the office on Friday. So I let people know. And I do that with my clients as well. I send out a welcome pack and I say, Hey, 
my my work hours, uh, my work schedule are these days. So they know that if they send it, send me a message on a Thursday night at 10 p.m., chances are they won't get a response until Sunday when I'm sitting down doing my planning and I'll, I'll take out time to respond. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think being proactive about that is something that, um, hi, listener, this is something you should think about if you haven't thought about that yet because, like, the amount of people that I still see who don't do this, it's, like, really depressing. Um, it, it's just, I guess part of the thing is, you know, I'm Dutch and Dutch people are known for being really direct and very mm-hmm. upfront with you. And so Dutch people are very <laughs> likely to just tell you these things, but it's not always the case when you're talking to people from other cultures. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I'll make it pretty clear with people, like, you know, I'm not necessarily going to respond right away, but I think, I think it's good just to set the expectations. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so you mentioned hiring a VA. Do you, are you working with someone right now? Or are you really doing everything yourself? I do have a VA. Yeah. Right now it's, it's just me and my VA. When I had my podcast, I also had an editor. Um, and that was enough at that point. Um, I am at a point in my business where I can see I'm going to have to bring on a, a team member to help with client work, which is mm-hmm. a, you know, it's a good problem to have. It's not, you know, so I don't have someone other than my VA just yet, but I, I see that happening this year. How do you collaborate with your VA? What, do you use any tools for that? Do you have any, do you have meetings? We have one meeting a month. So we have, um, we're actually going to have one later today. We have our monthly review and planning meeting, which typically is going to happen after I've done my own monthly review and, and kind of clarified the goals for the next month. Um, yeah. We, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge like on not having meetings. <laughs> <laughs> very anti-meeting so yeah. that's the only one and I find that to be necessary you do have to have a, a check-in other than that we use slack um, so we use slack and loom so slack is just for general chatter or quick questions and then I love loom it's 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 my favorite tool these days of just you know recording that quick video if I have a question or I need to explain something if she has a question I'll record a loom and explain it and walk her through and it just erases the need for so many meetings, right? It's just amazing. So those are the tools that we use as well as Notion, of course. We have, you know, I pretty much, Notion is my my second brain, so she's in there as well. And Airtable would be, yeah, Airtable is the last one. <laughs> yeah, so Loom is one of my favorites. It's um, so easy to, to share with people, especially if you gotta give instructions, just to mm-hmm. avoid so much back and forth. For people who don't know, Loom just, it's like a web service, but it's a little app you install on your computer and you just click record and it records you, your screen and it can record you as well with your webcam. Yeah. Um, so you can do a little, little mini screencast and then it just uploads very quickly and you just send people a link and they can watch it. So if you ever need to explain to someone how to do something rather than yep. writing an extremely tedious email <laughs> or like being on the phone live while they're doing it and wasting your time, you can just record it. it it's it's really good. Yeah, yeah, and it's even, you know, you mentioned Crowdcast. When I was working with them, I would record Looms for processes. So instead of mm. explaining the same thing over and over, now let's just, we have this knowledge base and you can watch this Loom and anyone can watch it. And I still get notifications from their new team members who are watching those videos. So um, I use them for uh, for after I have a sales call. So I, sometimes I will send, I started doing this last year, I'll send a loom as a, a thank you, you know, and it's just a mm-hmm. nice touch for people to, to see your face. Video connects so well. Um, so yeah, I, I love loom. If anyone hasn't discovered it, 
check it out. <laughs> and the desktop app has even more features, which I rarely use that one, but I noticed you can annotate and you could just do even more things on the desktop app. Yeah, it's really neat. And so now you've mentioned Notion like four times, so I'm going to have to ask you about Notion. So are you like a disciple or are you a... <laughs> I mean, I'm somewhere, I'm just, I'm a follower, right? I'm, I don't know if I would be a disciple, um, but I'm definitely a, a convert. So when did I, I started using Notion in 2019. Hmm. Um, I think it was the fall of 2019. And initially I didn't see what the big deal was. And that's because I was using it wrong. I was creating pages for every single thing. It's kind of like if you've ever used Airtable, if you just mm -hmm. you know create a, a base, if you're using it like a spreadsheet, you're not getting the full functionality of Airtable, right? You're not using it as a database, so you're, you're just limiting. Notion is the same way. It is a database tool. So I, I, but I realized I was using it wrong. And so I hired someone to set it up because there is a learning curve with Notion. You know, if you have never used a tool like it, there's a learning curve in making it do all of the, the super magical things that it does. Um, so I hired someone to, to set it up and, you know, that involved me getting clear on my processes, getting clear on like what information I needed, which I think holds a lot of people back. You have to know, you know, what information you want access to, what are your processes to have everything set up the way that you want it to be. And now it's, it's beautiful. You know, I can connect, I can add my clients, um, and then I can connect them to projects. I can connect my projects to weeks. So when I have my weekly dashboard, I can see here are the meetings that I have, here are the projects that I have. Um, here's the, the initial intro call I had with this client. Here's the discovery call that we had. It's just everything is connected and that's the power of Notion. I don't have to search for things in Google Drive anymore. I don't even use Google Drive anymore. Um, and so, yeah, I love Notion. And for my clients, I create, um, I usually create a, a client portal where I will then embed their weekly update Loom video. So, you know, those mm. two tools coming together and it just becomes, you know, this, um, I'm really bad at remembering like phrases, but, but, you know, like the center of truth, I think I said that wrong, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. like the place where we go to keep track of all the deliverables and the resources and everything is just in one place and clients right. love it because they don't have a bunch of links to keep track of. They just have one. Yeah. And I think, especially since you're working with clients, it can be very helpful as an information sharing tool. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, so let me, let me tell you why I asked you about notion because okay. my most popular YouTube video by far is one where I was just ranting about how <laughs> you shouldn't use notion for everything. Um, I just like, I got a little bit annoyed at watching people who are like making it sound like the only productivity problem you could possibly have is that you're not using Notion because there's a lot of YouTubers who would do that. <laughs> and I got annoyed and I, I recorded myself like ranting about this. I uploaded it and it's like by far my most watched YouTube. It's like 140,000 views or something wow. ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and so a lot of people are literally discovering me as being like the ranty yeah. guy. And I got like terrible comments. I had to turn off the comments on that video. Yeah. Like people would say like, Peter, you are a disgrace in the comments and stuff. And like, 
you know, this is the worst YouTube video I've ever seen. And so, you know, I have mixed feelings on Notion. I've used it. And, um, you know, people don't know this, but like I hired you to like do an audit of my marketing at some mm -hmm. point. Um, thank you very much for that, by the way. That was very helpful. And so um, I remember you, you were sharing some information through Notion as well. And, and I, that was a very comfortable and very pleasant experience. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the part that bugs me is sometimes um, just a, a lot of people that I work with, I see them getting stuck on customizing their tool for too long, you know, and you mentioned yeah. that you do need to learn how to use Notion. That's definitely true. And there are people who will teach you, you know, um, yeah. I just think that you really have to ask yourself, and this is, this is generally true in the field of productivity. Um, productivity sounds very logical. It sounds very rational, but it's actually all about emotions and feelings. I try to tell people this mm. all the time. So you got to understand what is your personality? What is the dominant emotion or dominant emotional problems that you have and what will fix that? And so if, if your problem is like you tend to like tinker with your tools too much and you're always anxious that you're not using the latest and greatest thing, you should yeah. probably stay away from Notion, <laughs> right? Um, however, if you're feeling extremely overwhelmed if it's like extremely important for you to have all your information in one place because otherwise you get stressed because you can't find stuff then it could be a fantastic tool mm. you know i think that that's that's an interesting way to approach it for me the key is i definitely agree with knowing yourself right that's just life advice right know yourself yeah, yeah, yeah. it just gets <laughs> yeah. so much easier and once you know the type of person you are, like you said, if I'm someone who tinkers a lot, then I can then solve for that, right? And so for me, one of the reasons I hired someone is because I didn't want to tinker, right? I could have, hmm. I could have gone down that rabbit hole. And I, you know, this also connects to business because as a business owner, you have to get to a point where you stop trying to do everything yourself and you focus on the things that are going to move things forward. And so I knew, okay, this is not it. <laughs> Me figuring out how to use Notion and spending weeks doing this is not productive and it's not anything that I wanna be a master at, so I'm just gonna hire, hire someone. So, you know, it's, it's knowing yourself and then taking action to, to balance against that. If I were a person who liked to tinker, then, then, you know, I'm going to make this decision. So I don't, I just, I think that people sometimes struggle with that. They struggle with putting bound, I don't know if it's boundaries, but just balancing out their natural, you know, predilections, which is if, if you're if you get obsessed with tools, right? How do you balance that out? How do you make sure, you know, some people use the Pomodoro timer, right? They, for their work day, cause they know they're prone to distractions. So it's just having yeah. systems in place to help with that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the way I think about it is it's, um, I, I, I like to ask people to, so like, what is working for you and what is not working for you? And so but when I see people and they're like, yeah, I've tried using this particular app. I've been trying to use it for five years now. I just can't get myself to do it. And I'm like, <laughs> It's possible, like, there are basically two options. Either you need to like pay someone to teach you how to properly use this app, which yeah. is actually like people who, who buy my task management courses, this is often what's going on. Um, but the other option that's possible is like, maybe this is just not for you, man. Like maybe, mm -hmm. this, maybe this is just not mm -hmm. for you. And you just need to like, at some point you've tried something enough to just give up and you know, we're not the same, not, you know, some tools are not gonna work for you. And I think, um, it, there can be so much shame and, and guilt for like, oh, this should be working yeah. for me. I see productive people doing things this way. 
I can't make it work. I'm not disciplined enough. Like time blocking is one of the ones that I've recently really been trying to tell people mm-hmm. like you don't need to. It's it's a very effective technique for some people, time blocking, right? I'm scheduling out my whole week, Monday morning from X to Y time, I'm gonna do this and Tuesday yeah. afternoons are always for this. And so for me, with all my stress problems, my history of stress, it'd be a terrible technique because like <laughs> I just need to take a break when I need to take a break, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and so and so I think it just comes back to what you were saying, really knowing yourself. You have to know yourself and, you know, know what works for you. And then you have to take action to support that, right? And so, like you said, time blocking. Um, I'm the same way. So I, I don't work really well with, with rigid schedules. But I do need time to have deep work. Right. And so, and I hate meetings, (laughs) try to limit my meetings. So what works for me is kind of a compromise. I don't have every hour of of my day scheduled out. That would drive me nuts. Um, But I do have calendar blocking. So I have, I only have meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And, you know, for example, with YouTube now, I had to figure out, okay, so I have on Mondays, I do my scripting and on Wednesdays, I do my shooting. But I also build in flexibility. Like I said, I'm typically out of the office on Fridays. If I am having a week where maybe my energy isn't right on Wednesday where I'm, when I'm supposed to be recording, then guess what? Friday, I'm, I have to be recording um, yeah. since I'm off that day. So I, I, I solve for how I work, who I am, and I also build in flexibility for when things might go a little left. Yeah, and I think that's... Um... Kind of keeping a little bit of that sort of margin, I think, is something that a lot of a lot of people struggle with as well. Sometimes I'll be working with a client one on one, and I'm like, okay, let's take a look at your calendar. And especially the more corporate types, you know, like managers mm-hmm. or whatever, I'll have to see their calendar, and I'm like, you don't <laughs> even have one hour to like focus on a single task. Yeah. Like your entire week is just so. So I'm also very much on the anti-meeting um, crusade. <laughs> so yeah. um. I want to get to, to one more topic before we wrap this up. And and I, I was, like I said, I was browsing your Twitter a little bit. And, and one thing you, you mentioned is um, that you get some form of therapy. And so mm. this is something that I was curious about what that does for you. And, and as a little background, it was it's a couple of years ago now that I really burned out. I mean, it's really like five years ago or something like that. I say yeah. a couple, but, um, but um, maybe like four years ago or something, I did like half a year of pretty intensive therapy for, you know, just to like get back on my feet. Um, and these days I don't do that anymore. However, I do still get coaching from time to time. And so mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask you two things. First uh, is what do you get out of therapy generally? Like how does that affect you? And second, do you think there's a difference between therapy and getting coaching? Mm. I'll answer the second one first. I definitely think there's a difference between therapy and getting coaching. In fact, if you're using coaching for therapy, then that's a red flag. (laughs) (laughs) You know, coaching, um, in my opinion, should be like it should have a specific uh, scope. It should have a specific focus. Um, And so, like, for example, if you're getting business coaching, then then it needs to be focused on on business and you should have specific agenda items and and so on and so forth therapy is more so uh for me at least it's been very reflective and it's been a way to it's more general right therapy isn't Mm. just you're not just going to talk about business you're going to talk about life you're going to talk about everything um and it's a way for you to to really face the stuff that you need to face, right? It's it's a way for you to, you know, we're talking about productivity. 
for me, you know, transitioning to your first question, therapy has helped me to unpack why I might do the things that I do, right? What, you know, if I'm feeling stuck, let's really get to it, you know? Let's really dig in and figure out what it is that's that's got me stuck. Um, and then why? And unpacking all of those things. Um, and it's just, it's it. you get the self-reflection, but it's also very liberating. At least I have found it to be. It's 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 not unpacking. It is that, but it's also unlocking. I have found that, you know, if you find the right therapist, which is is probably the hardest part, you know, for That's a lot difficult. of people. You know, it's almost it's it's a like a torturous form of dating at first until <laughs> you find the right. <laughs> you know, but once you do find the right therapist, um you're really able to unlock certain things and move past blocks that you have had because we store all of that stuff. And most of it is from childhood, right? We, we all have some, <laughs> some aspect of childhood that just ruined us. I thought um, you were going to say some asshole kid or something. <laughs> like said something to us. <laughs> right? Like, you know, and so just, just unlocking those things um, and just dealing with trauma. I mean, and yeah. to, you know, not to get too serious, but especially last year, like globally, we, we all have trauma from from the pandemic yeah. and, and everything. And it's not it's not normal to just carry trauma for a year and a half. Right. And so right. just having someone that you can go and talk to and just get it out and help and they help you to unpack it and help you to to breathe easier it's just immensely helpful. It's helped me in business um, because it, you know, it helped me to feel, feel more confident. It helped me to feel like I could show up in ways where in the past, maybe I, you know, I'm an introvert. So I sometimes would shy away from too much attention and it's just, it just unpacks so much. I mean, I, I highly recommend it for anyone who is going through a difficult time. I thought that therapy was only for people who were really messed up. And I don't mean anything by that, but I just thought Big you had to have some serious stuff in your life to be in therapy. And it's yeah. not that at all. Um, it's not that at all. It's just, there's so many things that we carry and we may not even know that we are carrying them, but they impact every aspect of our life. And so you gotta get it out. Yeah, and, and I love that you said that it is not the same as coaching. And so if you have, let's say, a business coach or something like that, not try not to lean on that person for yeah. getting help with your <laughs> deeper psychological, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say issues, but challenges, let's say challenges. To yeah. Like, uh, yeah, because yeah. I think that's fair. And also, you know, so, someone who's a therapist has been, you know, they have studied things, right? They, that's an important point. <laughs> Yeah, your coach is not trained to, to help you work through your psychological stuff. They're they're not, you know, they could give you some really horrible advice. So you, you definitely yeah. want to find someone who is licensed and trained to help you. Yeah. Do you ever get that uh, out of curiosity in your community? Someone who you think, you know what, they're, they're starting to like ask more for me than I can give? Man, you're asking some great questions. So I, I used to, mm. and again, therapy, right? Therapy helps you to start to establish better boundaries. And yeah. so now one of the things that comes to mind is I had a client last year, she was referred to me and we worked together on marketing stuff. 
um, and our last engagement, she, you know, she reached out, wanted some more help, our last engagement, you know, there was something that she kept saying, which was just that essentially she was very protective over her content and she didn't want to collaborate with anyone. And she just didn't believe that, um, there was enough for everyone. Right. So I she see. just was just very concerned with people stealing content from her. And I, you know, I had to push back on that and not only push back, but that was the end of us working together because I realized right. that th there were some mindset things that she, she needed to work through. Right? right. There was some trust stuff and some mindset stuff. And right. in the past, I would have tried to make her feel better. You know, I would have right. done and that's not my job. Right. And, so, but I, but I did say, Hey, you know, I think maybe re rethinking these things. Um, and then that was it, you know? And so if it weren't for my therapy, I wouldn't have gotten to that point where I just said, Hey, this is not a client that I want to continue working with because, yeah. you know, so yeah, I, I used to get a lot of people who were, were stuck and they were looking for more. And I realized that it was, it's stuff that they really need to talk to someone who's equipped to, to handle that about. Who's trained to, <laughs> to handle that? <laughs> no, but yeah. I think I think that's fantastic, and and thanks for sharing that because I I think boundaries. I mean, you know, I'm not a psychologist, so I, I will try not to get into this too much. But think about your boundaries, people. Think about your boundaries; yeah. they're very important. Yeah. Um. And 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 it can you know I, I do have some experience with just like stress as a result of trying not to enforce my boundaries. So sometimes I think mm. people these days perceive me as like being very, very harsh on the boundaries, but it's a protective mechanism, you know, it's a, it's an anti-stress mechanism. Yeah. And the, you know, I just want to say that the, the beauty of that is as you start to grow and evolve and set those boundaries, uh, people will, you'll attract the people who respect that. Right. So true. We can uh, we can do law of attraction uh, style uh, here, but uh, <laughs> now you're you're absolutely right. Like if you're putting out certain vibes, I mean, it's going to repel some people, and and I think that's for the better. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, this was a lovely conversation, Janelle. Um, Thank you. Where can people find out more about you? And is there anything in particular that you would like them to check out? So people can find me at JanelleAllen.com. Um, if you want to hop on my newsletter, just go to JanelleAllen.com slash newsletter. I typically help people in two areas. One is to create their course, um, ideally for service-based business owners who want to turn their process into a course. And so if you want to learn more about that, I have an online course roadmap um, that I'll, I'll share the link with you, Peter, but people can go and, and grab that or you can go to the site and, and grab it. And then I also help people to who have existing courses with their marketing systems and automation. So um, check, go to my website and you can see all of that information and stay connected with me. I'm on Twitter at Janelle Allen. I am on Instagram at Zen Courses, which is my former brand. Haven't switched that over yet, but that's how you can get in touch with me and YouTube. <laughs> Just search <laughs> Everywhere. Uh, Everywhere. Janelle Allen on YouTube and you'll find me. Cool. Yeah. And I'll make sure that all of those links are in the show notes. And I will also give a personal testimonial that uh, Janelle's uh, marketing audit for my business was extremely helpful. So if you are considering <laughs> Janelle for that big thumbs up, um, thanks very much for, uh, for coming on the show. Thanks, Peter. This was amazing. It's, it's always great to chat with you. 
Hey, if you like the show, subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you'll never miss an episode. We'd also love it if you rated the show on Apple Podcasts. To find out more about Peter or about today's guest, check out the show notes. Thank you for joining us on this episode of How They Get Stuff Done.